Okay, I'm obsessed with Audible because it lets you enjoy all of your audio entertainment in one app. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. And with female writers and heroines, celebrity narration, multicast productions, Audible has you covered for every type of excitement that you're looking for, including true crime and mystery. And I know all of you love that too. For example, right now, I'm listening to None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash reality life or text reality life to 500 500. That's audible.com slash reality life or text reality life to 500 500. With four daughters and two on a dance team, I can tell you we go through a lot of mascara in my house, but I'm crazy about L'Oreal Paris new Panorama Mascara, which catches every lash for corner to corner for maximum volume. If you're looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank, this is yours. The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. I've been using it for about two weeks now, and I feel like my eye has completely opened up, and the girls are crazy about it too. They've got a tapered brush to catch every lash, one of the best mascara wands that I've ever used. And like I said, this luxe appearance of this gold package you got to get it. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. L'Oreal Paris New Panorama Mascara. You're going to love it. The Amazing Kate Casey. Welcome back to another episode of Reality Life with Kate Casey. Hope that you've had a great weekend. I've got some big news. I've added a second live show. As you know, I'm going to be at the City Winery in New York City on November 20th. I will also be at the Hollywood Improv in Los Angeles on December 3rd. So if you didn't get a chance to see me in Irvine, don't miss out on this LA show. So West Coasters, you are to come to my December 3rd show at the Hollywood Improv, East Coasters, New York City on November 20th. I hope that you've been watching some great stuff this week. I know so many of you have reached out to me about my Wednesday episode with the Selling the OC investigation. You know what's funny? I got DMs from a bunch of the cast members and I talk about it on my Patreon. Super funny. I have to say, bravo to you real estate agents. Number one, seems like a really annoying and difficult job, but to watch a show about what you do for work must drive you insane. This show is so good. It's way better than Selling Sunset. I think if you just need something to just deprogram from the week. Just like check out and relax. This is totally something for you. It's on Netflix. It's called Selling the OC. Of course, it's filmed right where I live. So it makes me even more crazy watching all the nonsense. Two other things I think you're going to love. Now, Being Serena on HBO is a fantastic series about Serena Williams. This is something to definitely go back and watch now that we're watching her last performances at US Open. She's retiring. So if you're a tennis lover, you know how much she has meant to the sport. She's just a great role model for women. I have also loved watching several people in tennis. You know, Billie Jean King is one of my great heroes in life. I've also gotten the biggest kick out of John McEnroe. So I was really excited that Showtime was going to devote a whole documentary to him. You can watch that on September 5th. It's called McEnroe. So it takes viewers inside the mind of John McEnroe, who is one of the most controversial tennis players in the history of the sport. As he traverses the streets of New York City over the course of a single night, retracing his life in previously unseen archival footage. 
The other thing I know that you're going to love, especially if you like true crime, is The Murders Before the Marathon on Hulu. This is a three-part docuseries exploring an unsolved triple murder mystery that rocked a quiet Boston suburb in 2011 and its possible link to the infamous Boston Marathon bombing. That's going to air September 5th. Again, I really think you're going to like it. And it's three parts on Hulu, The Murders Before the Marathon. Today's episode is about the new docuseries, House of Hammer. This is on Discovery+. Plus. Trust me when I tell you that this is something that you're going to be talking about for weeks. This is a widely, widely, widely spoken about docuseries that I think all these networks were in a bid to get. And the team at Discovery Plus really got a great story here. I think stories of wealth and privilege are already fascinating, but you add in the Hollywood element. And I just know that you are going to be picking apart every single episode the way that I will. So in this episode, I interview the directors. So Army Hammer rose to fame with roles in films like The Social Network and Call Me By Your Name. In January 2021, this actor became a viral topic of conversation online after a series of graphic DMs he allegedly sent with several other women leaked on social media. The screenshots showed him engaging in a way that was domineering and violent. In some of the messages, he spoke of drinking blood, scenes of sexual control, and references of cannibalism. In one private message, he describes himself as 100% a cannibal and tells a woman that he wants to eat her. Then a woman named Effie came forward with claims that at least five women were engaged in consensual affairs with the actor while he was married to his then-wife, Elizabeth Chambers, and that each woman was led to believe that they were the only one. So within a week, the Daily Mail published screenshots of Army's private Instagram, which showed the actor's court order to complete random drug tests and gloating about a hallucinogenic drug and vaping. On January 25th, Army Hammer's ex-girlfriend Paige Lorenz shared some pretty serious allegations about their four-month-long relationship, including claims that he had branded her with his initials. By the end of January, he would pull out of two film projects. And by February, he was dropped by his agency and his publicist. March of that year, he was investigated for rape by the Los Angeles Police Department. So it was then that people started looking into his family. The Hammer family has had a sordid history with drugs, sex, dysfunction, corruption, and betrayal. Sources close to the family told Vanity Fair in 2021 that many men in the Hammer family have a dark side, one that looms across five consecutive generations, that it can be traced back to Dr. Julius Hammer, Army's great-great-grandfather. In 1919, Julius gave the wife of a Russian diplomat an abortion. Julius was a Russian immigrant living in the Bronx and a central member of the Communist Party of the United States, according to biographer Edward J. Epstein, who published Dossier, The Secret History of Armand Hammer, in 1996. The woman, Marie Ogunasef, died days later, so Julius was convicted of first-degree manslaughter and sentenced to three and a half to 12 years in Sing Sing. While he was in prison, his 22-year-old son, Armand, named for the Armand Hammer symbol of the Communist Party, abandoned a medical career to take over his father's other business, Allied Drug. Armand moved to the Soviet Union in 1921 for a decade to fortify family connections. 
And while there, he married a Russian singer named Olga, and together they had a son named Julian, Armie's grandfather. By the 1950s, Armand had divorced Olga, as well as his second wife, Angela, who had told the court that due to his time in Russia and his medical training, it causes him no pain to see the suffering of others. He moved to Los Angeles, married a wealthy woman named Frances Tolman in 1956, and invested her money in the then-failing Occidental Petroleum and drove the company to incredible success. Armand, who became close associates with many high-powered figures, including Prince Charles and Colonel Gaddafi, was also known for his involvement in wide-ranging grifts, including laundering money, using artwork to fund Soviet espionage, and bribing his way into the oil business. He tried to distance himself from the Soviet connections, reimagining himself as a self-made industrialist. He even hired a journalist to ghostwrite a memoir, The Remarkable Life of Dr. Armand Hammer. He also made an illegal contribution to the Nixon re-election campaign, which in all likelihood, according to the New York Times, went to help pay for the Watergate cover-up. Though he faced a felony charge for obstructing justice, a Washington lawyer helped him plead guilty to misdemeanor charges, and H.W. Bush later pardoned him. When Armand died in 1990, Hammer's father, Michael, inherited almost all of the family's business empire, which was estimated to be worth more than $180 million. So Michael's father, Julian, however, Julian is Army's grandfather, appeared to have been the natural successor, of course. He was only given $250,000. Armand is said to have cared less about Julian because he caused too much trouble. In 1955, Julian, Army's grandfather, killed a man at his Los Angeles home on the morning of his 26th birthday. The incident was reported to have been sparked by a gambling debt. Julian was arrested, but the charges were later dismissed. So according to Vanity Fair, Armand had $50,000 in cash delivered to a lawyer in Los Angeles before the charges were dropped. So as you can see, there's a repetition of getting away with whatever they wanted. Julian's daughter, Casey, who's Army's aunt and the sister of his father, Michael, said in her 2015 memoir, Surviving My Birthright, that their father, Julian, sexually abused her as a child And she also said that he was abusive to other members of the family. So there is a history of sexual abuse. When Army Hammer was four, his great-great-grandfather was estimated, as I mentioned, to be worth about $180 million. Well, the battle for the estate began almost immediately, as you can imagine. Within hours of his death, police officers were summoned to the house of his father, Michael, who was attempting to remove belongings and load them into five waiting cars. In total, 100 claims and lawsuits were filed against Armand's estate by Casey, by former mistresses, by charities that alleged that the late tycoon owned them, according to the Washington Post. The inheritance battle tore the family apart, and rumors still linger that Armand had stockpiled large sums in cash locks boxes and secret overseas bank accounts. Army Hammer checked into a treatment center in May of 2021, reportedly for substance abuse and sex issues. In early July of 2022, photos of the actor circulated on social media that appeared to show him working at a hotel in the Cayman Islands, which was where he spent a better part of his childhood. In this episode, I interview the directors of House of Hammer. Over the course of five generations, the men in the Hammer family have more secrets and scandals than any vault can contain. 
Army Hammer's alleged crimes are only the tip of the iceberg. Through a trove of archives and interviews from survivors and family members, the dark and twisted secrets of the Hammer family come to light. Behind the money and the power lies a dysfunctional dynasty with its male characters exhibiting all the devastating consequences of privilege gone wild. This docuseries begins in 2020 at the peak of Army Hammer's rise to fame. It features exclusive revelations from Army's aunt, Casey Hammer, and multiple survivors of Army's alleged abuse. The docuseries brings to light all of these dark secrets. So as you know, they range from accusations of violence and abuse to political manipulation and financial fraud. And they're all hidden within one of America's most prominent families. Here it is, my interview with the fantastic directors. I know everybody right now is on a health kick, and that's why I want to tell you about Roe Body Program. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes, so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. It could be you too. Roe Body Program members have support throughout the process. Roe's partner handles all of the insurance paperwork to help get medication covered. If eligible for medication, patients have access to the provider on demand for any questions. And you can sign up online from the comfort of your own home. And this means no scheduling a doctor's appointment, no commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.com slash KKC. Sign up today and you're going to pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash KKC. With DoorDash, there's something for everyone. You need a birthday gift? Check. Need to stock up on meals, sides, and drinks that your family loves? Also check. Pet ran out of food again? They've got it. Wellness essentials need a restock? It's a good thing they've got those too. The DoorDash app allows you to customize, substitute, schedule, and track your orders, as well as communicate with your shopper while receiving real-time updates. This has been a huge game changer for myself and for our family. Millions of people trust DoorDash for groceries, pet supplies, gifts, well-being, and more, and you should too. Shop with DoorDash and enjoy big savings. Use code KATECASEY to get 50% off, up to $10 value on $15 minimum subtotal on your next convenience, grocery or retail order. For eligible users only, terms apply. House of Hammer is a three-part Discovery Plus series. My guests are the directors, Ellie and Julian. They are fantastic filmmakers, and those that you have interviewed have come forward very bravely. While these stories are fascinating, I'm, I'm very aware as I'm watching that, that these are victims that are very much still in their uh, processing their trauma and their grief. And I wanted to first say, I think you did a profoundly beautiful job telling their story in the most careful way. So first, welcome to the show and congratulations on a really well done project. Thank Thank you. you. That's very kind of you. Thanks. So Julian, you served as a VP and EP at History Channel. And Ellie, you headed up MTV's East Coast production development team, an unscripted unit for BBC Worldwide. You guys have come across a plethora of human interest stories. What made this one feel different? I think this one felt different because, of course, there was the present-day component uh, with the social media uh, story that was breaking around Army Hammer. Uh, And then 
Casey Hammer was brought forward uh, during that moment. And when we started to speak to Casey and Ed Epstein and, and many of these other uh, participants who are in our film, what we realized is that there's a much larger context to the present day story that that was was coming out to the public. And I think as filmmakers, we strive to find stories that have many layers and a larger context that if you know we take the present day story and give the larger backstory that we can learn about unchecked power and privilege we can learn about cycles of abuse and hopefully hopefully shed light into how we can break those cycles and how we can you know just give information back to the people who are watching the program to you know see signs in their own relationship um, you know, and see red flags in their own relationship. And then also, you know, learn uh, more about a family dynasty that I think a lot of people are interested in hearing about. Yeah, we did, to echo Ellie with House of Hammer, you know, they say journalism is the first take on history. We feel like we're the second take. It's still fresh, but the scandal, we're not here to make a scandal shock dog. What we uncovered through our encounter with Casey and people like Ed Epstein, who wrote the definitive biography of the Hammer family, um, and who knew Armand Hammer, the Army's great-grandfather, is there was a much more complex, rich story to be told here that would shed light on the present day. And that's the type of thing we're interested in making. And I think that's the type of thing viewers want. They don't want just empty calories. They want Mm -hmm. context, history, motivation, um, and a deeper dive and a deeper reveal. And I think also something that they can reflect back to in their own experiences, uh, in addition mm-hmm. to what Julian's laid out. Here we have this family who who has these traits that have been manifest across five generations. How do you see similarities when you shuffle between 1930 in the Soviet Union, 1950 in LA, 1970, you know, in the Palisades, and then 2020, you know, in, in out in the out in the desert in, in California, and and the toggling of that family story and what happened with their public persona, that was covering up the reality of what was happening in the bedroom and the boardroom in their private lives is at the heart of the story we're telling. As you were beginning to research this project, and then once you started to interview people. What did you uncover in terms of where this all really does begin? Is it with the great-great-grandfather, Julius? Yes, absolutely. I think that uh, it began with Julius, who uh, came to America, and he was the uh, founder of the Communist Party in New York, uh, which is a staggering uh, fact, if you will. I think it began with Julius, and uh, and then... Of course, it it you know there's Armand and and Julian, and I think that. But the one thing that I think is really uh, interesting, just in looking at the generations and where it started, was that at the heart of the family saga, the one thing that we did uh, see is that there was a lot of dynamics between fathers and sons, um, and that mm-hmm. was something that we uh, wanted to bring forward. So, you know, Julius and Armand have a very interesting relationship as did Armand and Julian. And a lot of what was happening at the, within the roots of those relationships, what is what impacted 
the, 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 the present day for sure. Uh, so that was also something that we felt when we were doing the research was um, kind of a, a fascinating part to the story. And that's why Casey was so critical to this film. We had Casey on board before we had anybody else, right? And Casey is that hinge between the family history and the family dynamics from the inside. Yeah. And linking that to the events that are happening today, because of course, Army's father is Michael Hammer. That's Casey's brother. She knew Army as a young man. She saw the dynamics in the family, and she saw the incubation of these traits from the inside. So it's Julius, and then he has Armand, and Armand then and has he, Julian, and then uh, Julian has Casey and Michael, and Michael has Army and Victor. So. Right. It was said in the first episode, I believe, that Armand controlled his entire family. His public persona was divorced from his public persona. And that his first wife, or maybe it was even his second wife, said that he was a master of psychological warfare. There was a woman um, named Marta Kaufman, um, who uh, this in this story is, is revealed in episode two. And she uh, was having an affair with Armand. Uh, and when he was married to his third wife, Francis, and Francis discovered this affair. And what Armin did was have Marta completely change her appearance, uh, her physicality, and so that he could carry on this, uh, this affair. And he did this, um, I think, in a way that was, you know, very manipulative uh, very controlling so that, you know, he could carry on this extramarital affair pretty much underneath his wife's nose. Uh, and that was uh, something that I felt was a pretty staggering example of how he kind of controlled all of the people around him. I mean, that that what you bring up about the second wife, um, and this is the bedroom, there's also the boardroom stuff, um, which is in episode three, but, um, you know, on Phil Donahue, he says he he left his second wife because she was a raging alcoholic. And then right. we did and discovered the courtroom papers for the divorce proceedings where it uncovers systematic psychological and physical abuse. And that's where that, you know, uh, 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 psychological terror statement comes from. But this is his entire modus operandi throughout his life is that He's the greatest self-mythologizer, perhaps, of the 20th century. Most people see him as a master businessman, as a diplomat, as a giver to charities, as a great collector of art. Behind that, he was running basically a criminal organization and was acting as a double agent with the Soviet Union. Um, so this is all talked about in the film. This is revealed through Ed Epstein, uh, Joe Finder, um, the head of PR for Occidental Petroleum, um, and, and a lot of research into this double life. But again, Army led a double life, of course. He is a Hollywood star. If you read his profiles, you'd think, my God, this guy has an amazing family. I'd love to go have a drink with him. He's kind of liberal. You know, time's up on his lapel. Everything's wonderful. Um, and, and he's an actor, you know, and he's performing this role. And then the curtain is drawn back, as is, and, and this may be the age of Me Too and the age of social media, is that Army just couldn't keep the secret secret. And someone actually said to us, it was Ed Epstein, if Armand was still around, you would have never hear, heard of this story because no. he, he would have taken care of business and he would have buried it. 
um, as he did with his son Julian many times. So your your understanding as the, the the series goes on, as you mentioned, it's intergenerational. It's years and years of abuse. And to your point, Army kind of cracks it all open with all of the women that have came forward to tell the lengths of which he would uh, abuse them. What is it about Army that you think caused that sequence of events for that to happen? I think it was about, I think Army lives in a very different age than the uh, the other generations, and it's an age of social media. And I think that that was something that we explored in, 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 and you'll see in in episode three, which is that, you know, before social media, a lot of, you know, women had to sit in silence. Um, You know, there wasn't this kind of public forum where they could come forward with uh, their allegations and their stories. And now in the age of social media, you know, women are not going to sit there silently because they know that they can bring their stories forward in a way where other women can immediately join in and into the conversation. And so I do think that the the a big difference with uh, Army in in terms of the other generations within the Hammer family is that he's living in the age of social media. There's there's also an, inter- an interesting statement that again Ed made about uh, what Armand Hammer, uh, the patriarch of the family, said, which is that the golden rule is that those who have the gold make the rules. And wow! This plays out throughout the Hammer family, and I think that Army felt that the golden rule applied to him and the normal rules did not. And part of this is that you can conduct an entire secret life, but if you have power, you can pay people off, you can manipulate people, you can control people and you can manage that. That is what power gives you the ability to live a secret life. Right. Um, But as Ellie pointed out, much harder to do that in the, in the leaky world of social media. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and perhaps uh, uh, um, highly risky of him and perhaps shows his own uh, sense of ego uh, or, or, or lack of sense of self that so much of this was being posted on social media, be it on Finster accounts and whatnot. But as we all know, as they tell everyone, anything you put online eventually will come out, you know, and it did come out. There seems to be this uh, repetition of the men having a lack of understanding or respect for boundaries. There uh, has been, of course, lots of discussion about uh, sexual boundaries being crossed within the own family, uh, within their family. There is uh, a moment at the end of episode two where Casey is asked about whether or not she was abused by her own father. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what you have uncovered in terms of the pathology of all the men of this family. Um, is there a personality disorder here or is this somebody like, are they suffering from a severe psychotic mental illness? And that's why they don't seem to understand boundaries and push boundaries. Or is this an extreme form of uh, like a paraphilia? What what is what is the reasoning that you've come to understand, or could explain some of the choices that they've made? I think that it's about never having to face consequences for their uh, actions and their behavior. I think that's what we we saw was at the heart of it. That that a lot of 
criminal behavior and with Armand um, and Julian, uh, a lot of abusive patterns. Uh, they never faced any consequences. And I think that that was what uh, created a cycle of believing that, that look, we can act above the law. Mm-hmm. And that actually power is gained through breaking the rules and not playing by the game. And that's a very Armand trait, right? Armand didn't just have secrets on people. What he would do is he would bribe people, but then he would record them being bribed. So now he has a double whammy. He both has a bribe on them, but he said, if you come forward and say that I bribed you, I have your, you took that bribe, right? So this is interesting is that controlling secrets of other people is a way to power and Mm -hmm. breaking rules in that way is a way to power. And when you have power, you're allowed to create a space to have a secret life, be it a secret business life, be be it a secret personal life. And it worked for many generations until now. And then what we did is kind of unspool backwards from yep. all how this idea about how power works. And, and some people say it, it's, it's almost like a void of power for the sake of power. Mm-hmm. And power is about manipulation, control of secrets, control over people. I will control you. And then you look at, you know, Army's an actor. He performs on screen. But then in his personal relationship, this private relationship, he decided to perform BDSM. Still a role-playing game, right? But he didn't perform BDSM. We have a BDSM expert who said he broke every rule book of BDSM because right. what he really just did is abuse people and say, well, it's BDSM. So that's a, that's a similar thing. He set up his own set of rules outside society's norms to inflict pain through power. And that's the common trait. And a satisfaction that comes with humiliating someone that one can only believe has ex- he, they have experienced their entire life. Well, they also inflict the humiliation on their own family to some degree, which is interesting. So power yeah. has no bounds within the Hammer family or, or this inflicting of pain because Casey is someone who was tossed to the side, right? You know, she was kicked out in a power grip. Um, so everything is a chess game, again, very secession-like, in yeah. which everyone's just vowing. You know, it's a weird kind of Game of Thrones kind of thing to grab grab the throne and, and and run off and then set up their own little power dynamic and be like, I'm in control. You know, I get to, I get to make the rules. Um, so is it pathological? Yeah, I, I, I certainly think. I mean, I'm not, not a psychologist. I think there is a pathology there. I don't necessarily believe in these traits being handed down genetically. I think they were learned. And if you grew up in that environment, Army was eight years old when, and knew Casey, that's his aunt, when she was, you know, heave hoed out of the family when Michael took control of the estate, which is documented in the film. Um, you know, Army's never sent a birthday card to Casey, right? Never even attempted to contact her. So wow. that, that's, that's a bit of an odd family. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time for you to get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's gas, groceries, or dinner with friends, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit.com. Discover Bank, member FDIC. 
Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Does he have a loving relationship with his own mother? To, to what you know, from what you know? We didn't interview her. That wasn't something that we, yeah, we, we, we uh, uh, dove into in the film. Now, also, of Army all this... Did, the Army did have a habit of bringing his girlfriends, as we know in the film, to his mother very quickly, uh, mm-hmm. uh, with Paige and with Courtney. Um, and you have to watch the film. There's some interesting people speak about their relationship and, and and certain moments that were witnessed in their relationship. But because she didn't speak in the film, I don't know if we can, we can't speak for her about, about that. I understand. Several of Army's victims come forward. I was really impressed that they were courageous, brave enough to, to tell their stories. Were all of his victims only women? No. Well, that's an interesting question. I think, um, you know, again, in episode three, there's uh, a former, uh, there's somebody who worked uh, alongside Army that that came forward and talked about uh, their experience, uh, and it, it did shed light on this idea of, you know, I am I control you. You are my, you know, I am your superior. You are my inferior, and I control what you do, and I control the situations that you're in. So it it there are there are men who speak in our film. It wasn't sexual in nature, but nor is the Hammond trait that everything is sexual in nature. Again, boardroom, bedroom go hand in hand. Mm. Power works in both places. I see. Um, Some of the victims that uh, were much older who had experiences with Armand um, or with Julian or with Michael, did it feel like their fear and trauma was still very much present? Were they fearful to come forward, even though it's been decades since they um, saw Michael or saw his father? Uh, There's a woman in our film, her name is Kathy Bowl, and she was the ex-fiance of Julian. And yes, I would say that she worked up the courage to come forward and share her story because she wanted to support Casey. And I think, you know, but she definitely you know, was aware of how powerful the Hammer family is and was. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think everyone in the film, all of our participants recognize that, you know, that they're speaking, they're, they're revealing their personal experiences with people who have a lot of money at their disposal, that have a lot of resources at disposal and can quickly silence a story. Uh, And I think Mm -hmm. that, that there was an absolute understanding of that. Uh, but, you know, as you saw in the film, there are many participants who came forward and said, you know what, I, I will 
find the courage to speak. And to be clear, we didn't set out to make an advocacy film. We set out to make a documentary. Um, All all the Hammer families were invited to, everyone was invited to participate. I mean, I can understand perhaps why they wouldn't. What we were doing is deep dive research into this family lineage to better understand the present day story. And what we received from the participants is firsthand accounts. And that's really important. Everyone in this film had direct exception of one or two, but almost everyone in the film had direct encounters with multiple generations of Hammer men. And we gave them a platform to tell their stories objectively and to put the pieces together to connect the now and the past. And then the viewers will have to ultimately decide how they judge them. Uh, um, We're not the judge. We're, We're merely providing the information and the context for the headlines. I do think it's fantastic by, or at least while you're watching, you do feel like those women are getting part of their power back by telling their story. And that's the great thing after watching so many men over generations to have such control over women that the women that you have featured do have some of that power back. So I want to commend you on that. This must have been a very complicated project to work on. What's the one thing that's going to stick with both of you? now that it, it's been completed? I think for me, when we first began conversations with uh, Casey and Courtney, uh, their motivation to come forward uh, was something that, you know, I think our entire team kept in mind. And Courtney was, for her, what was important about her message is to show the red flags that happen in a, in a relationship when you so badly want to believe that this is perfect, that you overlook some of these red flags. And and what can then transpire is you're in in an abusive relationship. And it was very important that she laid out kind of how that happens and what those red flags are. Uh, And with Casey, you know, she wanted to show that to women and children that if they are in a abusive relationship within their own family, that there are ways to break that cycle of abuse. So that was the goal. The, those two messages were important for Casey and Courtney. And I think the one thing that I take away with is I do believe that we did right by uh, giving them a safe platform to get those messages across. I think you did. Yep. I also, you know, I think it's the great power of documentary to take issues and words and embed them in people and stories to add dimension to them. So you see a lot of people talking about kink shaming, about issues of consent. This is a good debate to have. It's a theoretical debate. But in this film, it places it in a a person's biography. So when you hear Courtney tell her story, suddenly those theoretical chit-chat issues become embodied in a life experience. And I think that is a powerful tool that documentary has for us to better engage this important conversation about where we stand right now, post-Me Too movement. Issue, these are important issues to talk about, but the best way to communicate those is through human beings expressing their experiences firsthand. So House of Hammer is on Discovery Plus, airs Friday, all three episodes. Well done. I hope that you deserve, you deserve all the awards you get. What really well done. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you. Oh, so we appreciate much. We really it. appreciate it. <laughs> the amazing Kate Casey. I want to 
thank Ellie and Julian and remind you to check out my live show November 20th at the City Winery in New York City and also the Hollywood Improv on December 3rd. Join the Facebook group Reality Life with Kate Casey to talk about this episode and also my Selling the OC investigation earlier this week. Make sure you click subscribe, leave a five-star review. Follow me on Twitter at @katecasey. I tweet about shows and during shows all week long. My Instagram is at katecasey.ca. My TikTok, it's katecasey. You can get my list every week of what to watch by going to katecasey.substack.com to get that list. And finally, make sure you check out my Patreon this week, patreon.com backslash katecasey, where I have more insight into behind the scenes of House of Hammer, about the Meghan Markle book uh, that I've done on Audible and also behind the scenes stories of the podcast. So make sure that you check that out. Patreon.com backslash Kate Casey. Hope that you guys have a fantastic weekend and I look forward to circling back next week. Welcome to Pura, the most pristine, safe, climate-stable city on Earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here, you're safe from heat domes, superstorms, water bandits in the outer lands. There's no crime in Pura, no murder, no suicide. And best of all, there's no cost to join us in Pura. Promised to keep you safe. I killed her! You took everything! In a world that doesn't feel so safe anymore, we're waiting for you. Here, in Pure. The Last City is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery. Enjoy The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City right now, ad-free, on Wondery Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus.